1: So then, 7.40 nearly, and a major shake-up for the global oil economy with the US on the verge of ending restrictions on oil exports. Congressional leaders recently passed a $1.15 trillion spending bill that includes lifting a 40-year-old ban on exporting crude oil, along with such provisions as the extension of tax breaks on solar and wind energy. That last part is important because some have raised concerns of uh, this having a negative impact on efforts to limit climate change. But uh, what about oil markets as well? I mean, obviously, the economy could be affected, not just in the US, but far beyond. Mr Stephen Shawk, editor of the Shawk Report, based in the U.S., joins us on the line. Good morning from Seoul.
0: Uh, Good morning, Alex. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks for taking the time. So, Oh, it's fantastic to be here. So is this uh, a Christmas present for the U.S., and and what about the rest of the world?
0: No, it is not a Christmas present, although it's more of a Potemkin village, as we say. Right. The commodity markets, and it's not just oil, but it's in all of the industrial commodities. So it's copper, it's lumber, it is alumina, it is iron ore. All of these markets have been crashing over the past year. We have to keep in mind commodity markets do not spur economic growth rather economic growth spurs commodity prices and when you have the kind of cuts in commodity prices that we have seen over the past year this is a scary telltale of potential economic woes around the globe coming in 2016.
1: Can you give us a bit more background on why there was this ban in place in the you know in, in the original case 40 years ago?
0: Oh, with regard to the US ban on exporting crude oil, that came in the wake of the nineteen seventy four oil embargo after the seventy three Yom Kippur War, where OPEC actively held barrels off of the market and driving prices extremely high. At that point also, US crude oil production had peaked four years earlier in nineteen seventy. So the purpose of the ban was to promote US dwindling production and cut our dependence on oil imports. Now, of course, what has happened over those 40 years is that up until recently, crude oil production in the United States continued to fall, while our dependence on foreign oil continued to grow. Now, with the advent of shale
1: production... Right, we've had uh, something... Go so very odd with the line there. Uh, we'll just reconnect. I don't know if that's a cross line that we've uh, experienced, but we'll uh, reconnect with Mr. Stephen Schoenck, editor of the Schoenck Report, as soon as possible. Certainly not particularly positive about this shift, uh, but giving us a bit of background there as well on how the US came to have this ban on its oil exports and, um, and what hopefully now we can discuss the uh, the impact of that uh, Mr. Shaw good morning once again yes i'm here not sure what happened there maybe we shouldn't question too far let's uh, just get on with it so um you you were discussing the impact of shale on the oil economy when we just got cut off
0: yeah yes i was so what has happened now is that the us oil market, and it's not just the U.S., it's the North American, it's Canada and the United States, we are producing a significant amount of oil. Now, the funny thing about this is that the oil we are producing is not necessarily the oil that we can maximize. This is because the United States refineries are geared or engineered to maximize the use of a different type of crude oil, a heavier crude oil. Uh, Crude oil that is harder to make into what we need, diesel and gasoline. So, therefore, we are sitting on this oil that we are producing. We're producing a very light oil, which is a very desirable oil because it's easy to manufacture into gasoline. But our refineries are not geared for this oil. So, in essence allowing the United States to lift the ban on oil exports, what we essentially will be doing is exporting the surplus oil that we have no use for and importing the oil that we do need to maximize our refineries. Now, for the U.S., for the energy sector, for the industrial sector, and for the consumer sector, this is a This is great news, because the surplus oil that North America produces is high quality, meaning it has a high price. The oil that we need is lower quality. It has a lower price. So the United States will be exporting a very high-priced crude oil and will be importing a very low-priced crude oil. So as I like to say, the United States is now in a position to export caviar and import tuna fish.
1: Right, Okay. How should we feel about that in a country like Korea, do you think?
0: Well, the situation in the Pacific Rim should scare us all because as we look ahead to 2016, what we're looking at on a global oil market basis is a price war or a market share war between the Sunni Arabs, so basically Saudi Arabia, and the Shia Persians, the Iranians. So, Saudi Arabia and Iran are going to fight for market share. Now, where is all of the growth for OPEX oil? It is in Asia. Now, Asia right now is a scary situation. China continues to devalue its currency because that currency is linked to the dollar. The dollar is bullish right now. So that's going to continue to hurt Chinese exports. China continues also to cut rates. China is also dumping its surplus industrial commodities not just its oil surplus but its iron ore and its alumina, so forth so clearly something is wrong economically in china then we look at japan japan is flirting with its fifth recession since 2008 so where we are standing now here is OPEC is going to be fighting for market share in Asia, and Asia right now economically is troubled. So we're looking at surplus oil, and as that surplus oil grows, and as we watch it grow through 2016, that is a key signal that is something that is wrong globally from a macroeconomic standpoint, and 2016 promises to be a very challenging year for many exporting countries.
1: It's fascinating because we've spoken at length before and the uh, the reliance on China and the US and the way in which uh, those two countries economically seem to be moving in different directions where we're left as in Korea. Not only will it be fascinating, I'm sure, from an economics perspective, but as you suggest, maybe scary um, as, as it plays out. Now, for the oil industry as a whole, we, we've spoken as well about the environmental impact of fossil fuels we seem to be moving in the wrong direction don't we R- rather than in the right way as far as the promotion of alternative energy sources is concerned even though this congress move did also allow for the extension of tax breaks on solar and wind energy
0: and that's that's the, an excellent point alex with regard to the tax breaks because alternative fuels are not economically Feasible right now. So, from a commercial standpoint, solar, wind, so forth, it sounds great. Electric cars, electric motors, hybrids, it's a very nice thought. But right now, commercially, they cannot stand alone without the assistance of government funds. That's not to say one, two, ten 10 years down the road, they will be commercially viable. And certainly that's the direction we're moving in. But in the here and the now, to remain, for the globe to remain economically competitive, we need fossil fuels. And the great thing about fossil fuels right now is the energy content. You think about this. We put 20 gallons in our car. That is a tremendous amount of economic power we are putting, of energy that we are putting in our car. Right now, there is no alternative fuel that can match that at that price. So what we need to do and what we are doing is we are becoming cleaner. Fossil fuels, the technology going into it is becoming cleaner. Our cars are becoming in trucks are becoming more efficient. So clearly there is, and there is this movement, and I think it is the correct movement to move towards greener, healthier fuels. Fossil fuels for the next one, two generations has to factor in as a part of that. You cannot, will not, Go it alone by pressing simply solar and wind. You need a fossil fuel until we get commercially viable abundance-wise down the future with alternative fuels. Fossil fuels are here to stay.
1: Mr. Shawk, thank you for your thoughts.
0: Uh, Very great to be here, Alex. Thank you.
1: Have a great rest of 2015 while it lasts and, of course, a prosperous new year as well. Mr. Stephen Shaw from the Shaw Report. And apologies for our poor connection we suffered there in the middle of that interview. And if you want to share your thoughts, email us, EFMThisMorning at gmail.com.